that. Come on out. Who's excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Make some noise. Excited to be here. Man, it is so good to worship with our church family. I love worshiping with us, our team and with you guys every single week. We also wanna welcome our Ashland campus. Man, I'm so excited what God's doing in Boyd County. We are one church in two locations. So if you know anybody in that region, we have a Better Life church there in Ashland. So man, I wanna thank everybody there in Ashland as well. I wanna welcome everybody watching online. And man, before we go any further, can we stop for a moment? And can we give our worship team some just encouragement? I'm doing amazing every week. Every single week, man, I'm so thankful uh, for them. So come on, grab your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter two. We're in this series called The Gift. And while you're turning there, Christmas is one of the best times to bless people, right? It's a great opportunity for us to be generous and help people. And so that's what we're doing next week. And so if you're visiting with us, we do this every single year. We do a year-end offering where we bless organizations in our community. We bless missionaries. Uh, this year, again, like we did last year, we're super excited. I think right now we have 675 families that we're gonna pay off their medical debt for them in our backyard. Is that not amazing? I mean, that's just crazy, man. And they don't know it. And what's so exciting about it is the organization that we're, we're going through, partnering with, they're gonna send them a letter before Christmas and say, just wanna let you know, on behalf of Bear Life Church, your debt has been canceled and paid in full. That is awesome, man. So I'm so thankful. I say this all the time, you don't give to the church, you give through the church. And so every year at the end of the year, we've been doing this since almost since the beginning, is that we just bless people, bless organizations, and, and we're thinking about church planning as well, and if God keeps doing what he's doing here, expansion, what's that may look like? So I'm telling you what, it's gonna be an incredible year. You don't wanna miss it. And I wanna say this, because I say this every single year when we do this. An offering is designated by you. An offering is a choice offering. See, a tithe belongs to the Lord, that's his. But an offering, you get to do whatever you want to. That's why organizations at the end of the year always ask for you to donate to them because this is the time that most organizations, nonprofit organizations, actually you know, reach their budget is because of other people's generosity. And so I say this every single year. This is an offering and it's between you and the Lord. It's not between me and you. It's not between you and the church. All I ask is you to go home and you just pray, Jesus, what would you have me to do? And whatever he tells you to do, be obedient and do it. If he tells you not to give and not to participate, don't give. It's between you and the Lord. Like if he tells you that, then fine, that's great. All I want you to do is say, God, how would you want me to be part of this year in offering to bless missionaries and help people? And if you wanna use me, great. If not, if there's something else you want me to do, you just let me know. All I ask is your pastor, listen to Jesus and do what he tells you to do because I promise you, you can never go wrong when you do that. So let's jump into this Matthew chapter two. Super excited about this. Last year, we called, out, called off our Christmas services, if you remember, due to the weather and it snowed and ice came and nobody got out and all this stuff. But you got, you know, I'm kind of weird like that. Like, I love when it snows, you know what I'm saying? Like, I love when it snows. You'll find me in a church parking lot probably doing donuts when it snows, you know what I'm saying? Who's that crazy guy on camera? It's Pastor Daniel again. All right, because I just love getting out when it snows. You know, some people afraid like it rains. Oh, don't get out. out four or six inches of snow, let's go, right, Bobby Ack? We're gonna get out there, we're gonna have some fun. Because we just, so I'm weird like that, so pray for me. But last year we canceled our Christmas service and we did the cast of Christmas. Remember, we had like Moses and, I mean, we had, <laughs> We had, we had Joseph and Mary, and we had like baby Jesus, and we had the shepherds, and we left out the wise men, and everybody goes, oh, right, the wise men. Like, who are the wise men? So we dedicated this entire series to the wise men. And so we're gonna be talking about them. We did last week, and we're gonna finish up at the Christmas Eve service with them as well. But just, spoiler alert, 
The wise men was not there the night Jesus was born. I know they look good in the nativity scene. I know they look good there. And some of you dressed up as the wise men when you played in your Christmas play in your church. I, I know that, right? But they were not there the night that Jesus was born. In fact, it was somewhere when Jesus was six weeks old or past under to the age of two. So somewhere from six weeks to two years old, that's when the wise men showed up. So we pick up with the story right here in Matthew chapter two and verse one. So if you're ready to get started, say let's go. All right, here we go. It says this in verse one. Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea during the reign of King Herod. King Herod, that's very important. About the time some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? You don't come to the king and ask where's the new king. Number one, so just to make sure, but they did. So we saw his star as it rose and we've come to worship him and King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this and so was everyone else. You would be as well. So he called a meeting to the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law and he asked the question, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? Even the pagan king knew that a Messiah was coming. He even knew that someone was coming. It's verse five. So they're like, uh, everybody knows this, man. Have you not read the Old Testament? It's in Bethlehem. It says, for this is what the prophet says. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler, a king, will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time the star first appeared. And then he told them, go to Bethlehem, search for the child and when you find him, come back. He's telling them secretly. And when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. Now we know the rest of the story that King Herod did not wanna go worship Jesus. He wanted to go kill Jesus because when someone is trying to take his throne as the king, he wants to make sure he's done away with. So verse nine. So after this interview was over, the wise men went on their way and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. And he went ahead of them and he stopped at the place where the child was. And when he saw the star, they were filled with joy and they entered into the house and they saw baby Jesus, right? They saw the child with his mother and Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. And they opened up the treasure and this is what we've been focusing on this series. Here it is. They gave the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we've been focusing on the gifts that they gave Jesus. Last week, we talked about the gift of gold. Now, for everybody who's had a baby shower before, I doubt you got a gift of a gold bar. I just doubt that, right? I mean, you got like, like uh, you know, a gift card. That's almost as good as gold, right? Just money. You got a cash, but you didn't get a bar of gold. Why? Because a bar of gold is a symbol of a king. It's royalty. And so they came, we've come look for the newborn king, and they want to give them a gift of gold because that's what you give to a king, and last week, if you missed it, if you missed it, you can go back and watch online, I asked the question, who is the king of your life? Who do you crown king? Thank you, Jesus, for saving me, but let me be the Lord of my life. And I asked the question, if you peeled back the layer of your heart, who would be a picture of sitting on your throne? Who would that portrait look like? And for most of us, I'm gonna be honest, preach to myself, it's a picture of me because I wanna be the king of my life. But see, when we give our life to Jesus, we crown him king, we crown him Lord. He's the king of my marriage, he's the king of my relationships, he's the king of my career, he's the king of my finances, he's the king of my parenting, he's the king of my education. Like God, you are the king of my life, so you direct as you will. So my question is, have you crowned him king? We looked at that last week, if you missed it, please go back and check it out. So today, we come to frankincense. 
Now, what in the world is frankincense? And what is so important about frankincense? Well, I actually have some right here. This is called sacred frankincense. It is pure frankincense oil. Why? Because my wife has tons of oils. Pray for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and then we got like a modern day incense called a diffuser. <laughs> Things comes out of it. Some of you know what I'm talking about. So this frankincense oil was used for many things. It had some medical properties to it, some healing properties. They use it for medicine. A lot of people use it for perfume. They would put it on as cologne, as perfume, and wear it. But there's something else very important when you jump into the Old Testament about frankincense. You see, God gives a very detailed list of what the temple of God was supposed to look like. I mean, to, I'm talking about he was a carpenter, a builder. He knew exactly what's to be. He knew exactly how the holies of holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was going to go, the temple court. He knew where the candles and where the incense would be born, born, I mean, burned. He knew where the, the drapes of the curtain supposed to be. I mean, detail. Even the circle rings that held up the drapes, he talked about it. And then he mentions frankincense. So now when we jump into this, like what's so important about the gift of frankincense? Okay, cool, you gave me some oil, cologne, perfume, baby Jesus is gonna smell good, but what's the whole purpose of the frankincense? What did it symbolize? Now, I don't know because I wasn't there. I don't know if the wise men knew the gifts they gave symbolized these things. I don't know that because contextualized, I just don't know. I do know they thought he was gonna be a king because the only recorded words of the wise men is where is the newborn king? Where is he? So they knew he was gonna be king, so they gave him gold, but frankincense and myrrh, did they know what this represented? See, Jesus, see, God said this, when you go into the holies of holies, when you go into my presence, when you go into the temple, I want you to burn incense. And guess what oil I want you to burn to represent the prayers that's lifted, to represent the presence of God, to represent when the priests come in to my presence, which was frankincense. So frankincense has a connection to the temple, has a connection to the priest, especially the high priest who actually offered up the, the sins for the Israelites. Now, let's walk through this. God is holy. We are not. We're unholy. God knows that there's no way for us to get to him because of our sin in our life. All of us, every one of us has blown it. So God sets up this system all the way back in the Old Testament. You can read this in the book of Leviticus. And in fact, if you're taking notes, you write this down, Leviticus chapter 16. Just go home and read, because some of the stuff I'm about to tell you, it's found there, it's crazy. You know Leviticus, right? Most of you in January, you go, I'm gonna read through the Bible this year, I'm gonna be so good, and I'm gonna start in Genesis, and I said, God created the heavens and the earth, and man, that looks amazing, and then Adam and Eve, oh man, why do they blow it? That's crazy, right? And then you get all the, you get to Noah, oh man, Noah, the ark, and two by two, Noah got drunk, I didn't know Noah got drunk after this. You're like, oh, this is crazy. And then Joseph, the coat of many colors, you're like, you're interested. Like it just tugs at your heart all the way through. And then you, and then you get to Exodus. You're like, okay, Moses, Pharaoh, let my people go. Ten plagues, blood turned the river. Like cool, all this stuff. And then you get to Leviticus. You're like, dear Lord, what happened? And about February the 6th, you'll stop reading because Leviticus is on the, on the pages. And you're like, I'm going to the New Testament. You know what I'm saying? Because it's just crazy. Like, it's all the Levitical priesthood. It's, all the, it's everything detail what, they, what God wanted the priest to do because here's what God did. Since man cannot get to God, God chose a priest to be the mediator for man to God. And so God goes to Moses and says, Moses, I'm gonna make your brother Aaron a high priest. And here's what he is supposed to do to be the high priest. And from him will be this high priesthood that the priest would do these things. 
if the priests mess up, if they don't cross every T and dot every I, I will strike them dead in my presence. So like, okay, I don't wanna sign up for that one. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't wanna be the priest. But Aaron, you're gonna be the high priest, and here's what you gotta do, bro. You're gonna have to make sacrifices for the sins of the Israelites once a year called the Day of Atonement, or modern Yom Kippur. So on the Day of Atonement, once a year, you're gonna sacrifice an animal for the sins, and you're for the sins, your sins, and for the sins of the Israelites, because you're gonna be the mediator between God, who is holy, and his people, who are unholy. So we set this whole entire, and I wish I had the display here, and I wish we could show you this, but I, you gotta use your imagination today, okay? You gotta use your imagination as we walk through the temple and what the high priest. So Aaron, as the high priest, or every high priest, when they were appointed a high priest, at the Day of Atonement, they would have to go to a sacred place to take a sacred bath and this sacred type of soap and oils. Once they purified themselves and cleaned themselves, they had one sacred robe that was only wore by the high priest one day a year on the Day of Atonement. So he would put his robe on, his priestly garments on, and he had everything in place. Now this is a big day for him, because if he stepped behind curtain number two into the presence of God where the Ark of the Covenant is, all right, y'all seen, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones fans, you know what I'm talking about. When you see the Raider, when you see the presence of God, you will be strike dead. So you better make sure you do exactly, exactly what Leviticus said by code, by the word. And so, you know, the high priest was nervous all day long, because if he messes up, he's gone. It's over. And so he gets his garment on, and then he has to provide a bull as a sacrifice for him and his family, for God to forgive his sin and his family's sins before he even takes the sins of Israel to him. That God is very strict about this, because he doesn't want, because there cannot be forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. You remember in Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned, said they hid themselves because they were naked, and what did God do? He went and provided clothing for them with animal skin, which means this, God provided the first sacrifice to cover Adam and Eve's sin because there can be no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. And so the high priest would take his bull, got his bull ready to go, and then they would bring two goats. And the high priest would take a dice like a lot, and he would cast lots, and whichever dice fell on the, one of the goats, whatever one, that would be the one that would be sacrificed as an offering, and the other one would be the scapegoat that they will let go. I'll explain that just to you in just a moment. The goat that they sacrificed would be the sacrifice for all the sins of the Israelites. Now, with that in place, with that in your mind, I want you to picture this. He walks into the temple court, he sacrifices the bull, he gets the frankincense with the incense lit, so the, the incense, the fume, the smoke could come from it. He gets blood on his hands, now watch this. He goes behind curtain number one, and this is where the priests were and everybody there, and they're like, okay, here it is. And now you're sweating bullets, man, because you step behind curtain number two with the Ark of the Covenant and the presence of God, and your heart's not right or something's not wrong, you're gonna be strike dead on the spot. So this is a big, big deal. And so now he's ready, he walks in, and now he goes behind curtain number two. The incense, the smoke rises to block over the Ark of the Covenant to hide him from the presence of the Lord. And then he would take his finger with the blood on it and he would sprinkle seven times the blood from the bull into the front of the Ark of the Covenant. Now watch this, to forgive him of his sins and his family's sins. Then he would back out of the curtain and he goes, okay, God accepted it, I'm still alive. And then he would go outside to the goat. Which one did the lot fall on? And he would get the goat and he would sacrifice the goat. And in the same way, he would take the blood of the goat, 
This is for the Israelites, for the people. He'd go behind curtain number one. It's like game day, prep day. The priests are there. Everybody's ready. You ready? I'm ready. Here we go. And then he'd go into the Ark of the Covenant in the same way he would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat where the presence of God was. Seven times. And then he would back up and God received the offering. And then he would come out to the scapegoat and he would lay his hands on the head of the goat and he would confess all the sins of Israel. It was symbolic. All the rebellion, hard-hearted, all the things that the Israelites, all the wicked sins that they did, he would confess it onto the goat. You can read all this in Leviticus chapter 16 and following. And then they would point somebody to come take the goat to the wilderness and they would chase the goat off into the wilderness to be a symbol that God has separated the sins of the Israelites from them for one year. And this happened every single year, once a year, until Jesus came on the scene. Every single year this take place, the Day of Atonement, where God temporarily will forgive his people's sins through a sacrifice, waiting for the ultimate sacrifice to come. So when the wise men show up, and give the gold as a king, they give frankincense. I don't know if they knew this or not, I don't know. But frankincense represented the priesthood, the priestlyhood, the high priest that Jesus was to become. Jesus has now become the mediator between God who is holy and his people who are sinful. So now because he's our high priest, watch this, he now goes into the presence of God and makes a sacrifice, he makes atonement for our sins, not once a year, but for all eternity. Because he never died. He died, he got up out of the grave, and because he is he lived, he's eternal, his eternal priesthood lives. Watch this, this means this, that now we can come into the presence of God because we have a mediator who is Jesus, who is our high priest. Mary is not your priest. Your priest is not your priest. The Pope is not the priest. Jesus is your high priest. You don't have to go anywhere to confess your sins. He's made a way. He's made a way. Now watch this in Hebrews chapter two. This is amazing. It says this, because God's children are human beings, that's me and that's you who put our faith and trust in him, we're made of flesh and blood. So God's son has become one of us. He's become flesh and blood, baby Jesus, while we celebrate Christmas. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the devil's power over us. Sin has no power over you because Jesus got up out of the grave. See, Jesus was born to die. He came to die for you. So then skip down to verse 17 in Hebrews 2. Therefore, now if you're a Bible student, every time you see the word therefore in your Bible, you ask yourself, why is it therefore? Therefore, says Jesus became one of us, flesh, who died for us as flesh. Look what it says in verse 17. It was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and his sisters, so that we, so that he could be our merciful, faithful high priest. He becomes our high priest. Then he could offer his sacrifices that would take away the sins of the people. As the high priest went into the presence of God, right? Guess what? Jesus has now become our high priest. You know what happened the day when Jesus was crucified? Do you remember it? 
at 3 p.m. when he says, it is finished to Telestai, he screams out Aramaic, it is finished, what happened? An earthquake. And what happened at that earthquake? At the temple, curtain number two. You know what happened at curtain number two? The veil was torn from top to bottom. Why? Not that so God could get out so that we could go in. You see all this is life. When Jesus died, there was no sacrificial system. They didn't sacrifice any more animals. Why? Because it died with the Lamb of God. That's next week. I'm getting ahead of myself. He came as the high priest so that you could have access to God. You have a mediator between God and you now, which was Jesus. Look at this in Hebrews chapter four, verse 14. So then, since we have a great high priest who's entered into heaven, that is King Jesus, it's Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. What do we believe? That this high priest is our, who understands our weaknesses, because he became man. He has faced all the same testings and temptations, yet he did not sin, because the sacrifice has to be the spotless, perfect, sinless before God, and that's what Jesus was. And then look what it says right here in verse 16. This is it. So let us come boldly, into the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us in the time that we need most. And I know what somebody's thinking. Thank you for the history lesson. Blood, goats, bulls, goats, and blood is pretty disgusting. Not what I expected at a Christmas service. What's so significant about that? Here's what's significant about it. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Bible tells us that he now cloaks you, he clothes you with the robe of his righteousness. Do you know what the word righteousness means? It just means to be right with God. And there's so many people in the Christmas season trying to find the way to make themselves right with God. Listen to me, going to church won't make you right with God. Reading your Bible won't make you right with God. Tithing won't make you right with God. Getting baptized won't make you right with God. Saying a prayer won't make you right with God. What Jesus did on the cross is the only thing that makes you right with God. There's no works you can do. You have to receive it. You have to accept what Jesus did on the cross for you. That's what makes you right. That's why he's your high priest. Now watch this. When you repent of your sin and you put your faith and trust in him, he clothes you with the robe of righteousness. So you know what that means? You see what it says? Did you see what it says? That now you can enter into his presence with boldness and confidence. Let's fast forward that. Because I've been clothed with righteousness, let's go all the way back to the Testament, Old Testament temple. I can walk through curtain number one and not have to be scared. And then I can pierce the veil and open up the curtain and walk into the presence of God where the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy says, why? Not because I'm sinless, not because I'm good, because I've been clothed with the great high priest's righteousness. And because of that, I can enter into his presence. So here's my question. What is keeping you today from boldly entering into his presence? And that could be a lot of things for a lot of us. Let me give you a few. One, your sin will make you want to run and hide, not enter into his presence. Remember Adam and Eve, they sinned, and they said they hid themselves because they were naked, and God's like, who told you you were naked? See, when you have unconfessed sin in your life, you feel dirty, you feel guilty, you don't wanna be in the presence of God. 
In fact, you don't even really want to come to church because you know, kind of have a sinner, like you know what's going on in your life. Like, I just don't really feel comfortable in church right now because of, and you fill in the blank, it's because there's unconfessed sin in your life. I saw a buddy this week from college. We went to college together and I was talking to him and he knows me before I got saved. And, and he, my nickname is Vinny. He, he said, Vinny, he said, man, you still preaching up everybody on Walmart? You slinging the word? I was like, man, I'm slinging it. I'm slinging it, man. I said, man, you should come. You should come, man. He goes, Vinny, come on, man. You know if I come to church, that, bur- that building's gonna burn down. You know it is. He's aware of it. See what I'm saying? When you're aware of your sin, it wants to keep you from the presence of God. I said, boy, you know me. If the walls ain't burned down when I step in there, come on, man, it's good. You do it. Come on, you come with me. See, unconfessed sin will keep you from entering God's presence. For a lot of us, it's our busyness this season. You're already in a hurry. You're already in a rush. You already went to seven Christmas parties. You got 17 more ready. You're already arguing whose family's gonna go to first. You're already arguing what we're gonna eat and what people don't like to eat. You're already arguing over gifts and stuff. We, got, we didn't get it at the same time. I haven't wrapped, haven't got there yet. Oh my goodness. You're already arguing who's, who's Uncle Johnny's new girlfriend at Christmas. Hope she doesn't blow up everybody. You know how nanny's gonna be and all. And you got all, and listen, it's chaotic and it's busy. It's crazy. And I'm describing some of your family right now. You can sit there with your halo on. You know who I'm talking about. And you're like, it's crazy. You know it's gonna be a crazy season. And because you're busy, watch this, you'll miss it. For some of you, it's fear. I'm afraid if I walked into his presence, what would he say to me? Let's fill in the blank. If I step into God's presence, what if you fill in the blank and you fill in what it needs? What if he don't accept me? What if he doesn't love me? What if he don't like what he sees? What if he's really mad at me? What if he's disappointed in me? And fear will keep you from entering the presence of the Lord. For some of you, it's doubt. This has been a hard year for us. It's been a hard year maybe in your life and you doubt the goodness of God. You're like, God, where are you? Why did she walk out of me? Why did you have to take a loved one away from me? Why did I lose my job? Why has my kid gone away from me? God, why did I lose? Why is it so hard this year? And what happens in the Christmas season when you put your Christmas mask on and you smile and you go through it, at the end of your life, you doubt God is goodness in your heart. God, yeah, I'm here at Christmas. Yeah, I'm here to celebrate baby G. That's good, yeah, yeah. But God, I'm hurting. And watch this, it will keep you from entering and surrendering to his presence. And then one more. This may get a bunch of the church folks. Those of us who've been saved for a while. Let me tell you what, how you will miss the presence of God this Christmas is because of complacency. You are so familiar with the Christmas story. You've got Christmas routine down pat. You know that Christmas story is found in Matthew 2 and Luke 1 and 2. You knew the wise men wasn't there and it's a big host and it's a big theorist out there and nativity scenes and that somebody's getting money off the wise men who were not there. You know that. You know that Jesus became the king, the high priest and the suffering servant. You know all that. You know that he was around one and a half. You know, king, you know, the, you know the story so well that you miss it. And we get so complacent. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Yeah, I know. I know the Christmas stuff. And that will keep you, watch this, from surrendering for Jesus doing something new in your life because you're so familiar. And really, that's for people who've really just gotten over their salvation. Jesus, you saved me. I've been saved for a long time. I was saved as a kid, but man, this is normal. We do this every Christmas. Jesus is the reason for us. All this stuff. 
and we miss it because we're complacent. So what is it that's holding you back from accessing the presence of God because you have the access and the power, watch this, because you've been clothed with the high priest's righteousness to do that. I'm gonna close with this verse, Hebrews chapter 10. It's so good. I pray that this is rings in your heart. Verse 19, and so dear brothers and sisters, we can, watch this, watch this, boldly, which suggests the priest went timidly. They were scared. Will you be too if you knew if you stepped in God's presence and something was wrong in your life, he'd strike you dead on the spot. Not now because Jesus has clothed us. Our high priest has clothed us. We can now boldly enter his presence into the holies of holies in the most holy place. Why? Because the blood of Jesus has been sprinkled on us. By his death, Jesus opened up a new and life-giving way. Do you want a new life-giving way? You want the old life to be gone and the new life to come? That can be yours today. Look at this. He given a new life-giving way through the curtain. That curtain, he went through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules all over God's house, and look what it says. Again, just remind us, let us go right into his presence with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Why? Now look at this. For our guilty conscience has been sprinkled clean with Christ's blood. It's made us clean. And watch this. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. It's just a beautiful picture because right when the priest got done sacrificing the goats of them and everything was done and God accepted it, he had to go take another bath to signify and as an offering, God, what you've done. Now watch this. We have been purified and cleansed. Not one time, not once a year, but for all eternity. Here's the point. Your king became your high priest so you could have access to your God. And that's what we celebrate. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads. As we have a time of reflection, let me just ask you, what barrier, what's keeping you from just surrendering and giving everything to Jesus today. If it's sin, deal with it right now, confess it. You don't have to go to your priest, I'm not your priest, confess it right now. Your great high priest is here. His presence is here. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Listen, confess it right now. Repent and turn to the Lord. Is it fear? Is it doubt? Examine your heart. That's what the time of reflection is. Examine your heart. God, what's, what's between me and you? What barrier, what curtain have I put between me and you? And whatever the Holy Spirit reveals to you, deal with it because he's given you access boldly into his presence. If you give your life to Jesus, I can't save you. If I could save you, I've already done it. I can't even save myself. Only Jesus can do that. If God is moving in your life, last week we saw three people give their life to Jesus. If God is moving in your life, listen, surrender your life to him today and tell somebody. Go to the next step area and say, hey, I just wanna let you know, 
today I gave my life to Jesus. We have some resources. We have some stuff we want to give you to help you as you follow your king, as you follow your great high priest. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you how relevant it is today. I pray we never take the Christmas story for granted. I pray we never get so familiar with it that we say, oh yeah, I know what it is and never let it sink into our heart. God, would you stir up our hearts, our lives? Would you do something fresh and new in us as we go into the new year? God, I can't wait to see what you're gonna do. Of course, in Jesus' name we ask and we pray, amen.